Our Father God in heaven, uh, we thank you for loving us. God, we, uh, we sometimes forget how much you love us because we get distracted with all the garbage that's around us. Father, my, my prayer is that we can um, just focus on you in the next few minutes where we can uh, come into your presence and, and, and we, can, we can just get a glimpse of how much you love us. God, we know that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. God, let us live that way. Lord, let us uh, be able to uh, learn something today so we can live to, um, up, up to the potential in which you have for us to do great things. And it's in your great name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You'll have a seat. All right. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, I told Jake, I'm going to kind of uh, springboard off of what he uh, started last week, um, talking a little bit about self-control, but really kind of then expounding on this a, 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 little, bit, a little bit deeper. Um, and uh, if you have your leaflet, your LifePoint leaflet, you'll see that there's a, a bunch of notes on the back. My plan is to get through all of them. Uh, we'll see. But um, not, to ha not that I have to reiterate, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about that, that Kids Point Fun Night real quick. Because um, at, right now what it's going to look like is uh, uh, Chuck and Shelly and Shannon and myself and, uh, are, are going to, uh, we're, we're going to have, uh, we're have your kids um, and we're going to kind of treat them like uh, two liter bottles of, of, of pop. We're going to shake them up. So when you come to pick them up, you open up and they, poof, they explode everywhere. Um, so we're going to, uh, no, we're, we're going to have a good time. We, we want to have a time where we can um, really have a real good time with the kids. We're going to show them a movie. We're going to play some games with them. Uh, we are going to give them ice cream at 9.45, um, right before you pick them up. So, hey, whatever. Um, but, no, we want to provide an opportunity for some of you parents to go out and have a, you know, a date night that you haven't had in a long, uh, a long time. I mean, you know, my kids are getting older right now, and, and we're blessed where, you know, they can, uh, uh, my, my oldest can babysit. So, Shannon and I can go out a little bit more often. But I know that uh, some of you have young, the, the little ones running around and everything, um, so it's harder. So with that, I mean, we want to kind of give you an opportunity to breathe. Thank you. Bobby says thank you. <laughs> well, I got a special plan for your boys, bro. Um, they won't be the same. So, all right, Second uh, Timothy chapter. Or I'm sorry, yeah, Second Timothy chapter two. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, Second Timothy chapter one. Verse 7, and you'll see why, we're, uh, why I'm starting here, um, if I can find it here. That's in the New Testament, right? Um, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You know, I, I know that there's a lot more that goes into the context of this, but I, it's, it's the, um, the old preacher talking to the young preacher here. Uh, it's, it's Paul talking to Timothy, and he's saying, okay, here's the deal. Um, a good thing was started in you. Your, your faith is something that, that uh, was uh, ignited by your grandma and your mom, and, and they've done a really good job. Uh, what I want to do is I want to remind you of some really key things. 
And, and I think that as we listen into to this, um, we can uh, draw from some of these key things a, a, as well, um, and we can apply them to our lives. So what I want to do today um, is I, I really want to give you like a theological foundation, like one big truth, and then I'm going to give you a biblical example of um, this truth in action. Um, so if you're, if you're looking at the, the back of your, of your notes here, you're going to see that the title for today's sermon is uh, God's Potential for You. God's potential for you, because I think that, that everybody needs to understand that God has a potential for you. And if you don't hear anything else that I say the rest of the day, um, I, I believe this, that God has created you for something greater than you. This is not a motivational speech like, you know, we're going to you know, dilute the gospel and throw Jesus out of the equation. No, 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 no. Uh, quite the opposite, because the greater than you is all about God's glory. But um, what, we, what you need to understand and what, what you have to believe is the truth and not the lie. The lie is that, that, that uh, uh, Satan wants to come in and, and, and uh, make you think that God, God really doesn't want what's best for you. Does God really want you to be, you know, it's a whole Garden of Eden kind of mindset. Does, did God really say kind of thought? No, what we have to understand is, no, God wants what's best for you. God wants to see you in your potential, and he sees you in your potential. And we'll, get, we'll uh, open that up a, a little bit more here in a minute. But in, in this text here, uh, it says that God did not give us the spirit of fear. So if you look at the, the, first, uh, the first thing we need to, to fill out there is God did not give his children a spirit of fear. Why, why do I um, uh, 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 make sure that, that we say his children, not just say us? Well, it, it's really easy for um, people just to see us in there and think that, that God is talking about uh, everyone um, in the world. No, he's specifically talking about his children. His children. And he says that his children are not given the spirit of fear. Some of you are th sitting here thinking, well, I have fear. Well, God didn't give that to you. And we're going to see where that comes from here in a second. But what we understand from this text and many other texts is that God gave his children a spirit of power. And I love that word, dynamis. What, do we, what does that sound like? Dynamite, yeah, of power, of love, and of self-control. And Jake gave us this illustration last week, and I think this is a really good illustration of like, like when he's at, at, at his work. And he's walking through his shop. He knows how to keep himself under control so he doesn't uh, run into things and trip over things and, and hurt himself. Because we wouldn't want Jake to hurt his pretty face, right? Can't afford it. But um, I guess everybody's on your side now, I guess. Whatever. Um, but he, he gave us this illustration of, of keeping ourselves under control. And as we are, are kept under control, we can go through this journey we talked about of, of life, the, the, this of spiritual walk. Um, I, I love that illustration because I think that that self-control obviously is something that is given to us by God. And, and, and I love how the Apostle Paul continues on to tell um, he continues on to, to, uh, to, to tell Timothy here that um, where this, this power, this love, and this self-control, like where it's manifested in and how it is, is to be. 
Let me just read verses 8 through 14 real quick. It says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to, be, or called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now he has manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard us until that day, that or when or what has been entrusted to me follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus and in verse 14 is where i really want us to focus is by the holy spirit who dwells within us guard the good deposit entrusted to you so when we talk about that God has given us the spirit of power and of love and of self-control, he hasn't just given us the spirit and said, good luck with it. No, this word that Paul uses here is to entrust someone with something is to give that and to care for them with that. So we see here that the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, is what, that's how we can guard the good deposit. What's the good deposit? The gospel, but it's also the truth of having power and having love and having self-control. It's being able to understand it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to, as Jake uh, uh, gave us that example, able to walk through the shop and not bump into things and not trip over things and be self-controlled. Because on your own, you can't do it. If you rely upon yourself to just, uh, I'm going to just change this and change that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, that's called behavioral modification, and a dog can do that. I'm not calling y'all dogs. I'm not, not, not saying that. I love my pooch, right? But I even think you said that last week too, right? I was thinking about that. Um, funny story, though, about dogs. When Shannon and I, and I wish she was up here to hear this, but when we lived in North Carolina, I had a Jeep. And uh, when, when you were telling that, that story last week, Jake, about the dog chasing the fire truck, I had this Jeep, and we lived out in the country off a of base. And um, every time we went down this one road, there was this, this Great Dane, huge, big old Great Dane, used to run after my Jeep. Every single time, run after my Jeep. One day he caught it. I didn't hit him. He hit me. I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden, funk, he runs into the side of my Jeep. He got what he was running after, but after that, never seen him again. He didn't die or anything, because he got up and looked. But he, like, he got to where he was going. He's like, I don't, uh, why did I do that? <laughs> Sometimes that can be us, too, when we're doing things on our own, right? We're running, we're running, we're running. We get to where we're going, like, oh, crap, what am I supposed to do now that I'm here? Well, this is what we have to understand. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to when we are following Christ and we are um, empowered by him, we're, we're living in power and then we're living in love and we're, we're living in self-control. He continues this journey and he, he empowers us and propels us in our journey to be faithful to him. This is something that, that, that I think that, that we need to uh, grab hold of this truth because um, the, the next point here, you can walk in the truth of what God has given you. That is the power and love and self-control. You can walk in that truth because why? Because he's with you. 
It says that, that, that being a child of God, the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of you. So you can walk in power and you can walk in love and you can walk in self-control because God is with you. This is not just that, that, that broad brush stroke where you say, oh, you know, God is everywhere. Yes, God is everywhere, but there's a, a special manifest presence inside of his believers. He's in you. The eternal God is dwelling inside of his children, and he delights to do that. So we can, have, we can walk in the truth of power and love and self-control because he is inside of us. We're going to see how this transfers over to our biblical example here in the Old Testament in a minute. But I want us to continue to develop this, this thought and this understanding of, um, uh, of what God wants for you. And this potential in God that God has for you. Because I believe this, that God sees you as he has designed you. Let that sink in for a second. That God sees you as he's designed you. Some of you don't see you as God designed you. You see you as the world has labeled you. You see you as what people have said, as things they've said about you. But understand as a child of God, God sees you as he designed you. Now, is everybody designed a little bit different? Absolutely. There are big people, there are small people, there are different colored people, whatever. But even in, there's different abilities within inside of people. But when God looks at his children, and we're going to unpack this a little bit more in a little bit, but he sees you as he designed you. Don't let the devil make you or get you to believe a lie of something that you're not. That's what, that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to believe the, the lie that you are, um, you're worthless. You have no significance. You have no acceptance or assurance or, you know, you have no worth. That's not true. It's a lie. But he wants to steal that from you. He wants, you to, he wants to get you to believe that so he can make you ineffective. So you walk around like your dog just did get hit by a Jeep going down the road and it got smashed and you're like, oh, my dog died. Oh, poor, poor, pitiful me. That's how the devil wants you to react. But no, the Bible tells us we're more than conquerors. We're to walk around with your, your, your head up. Pick your head up. Look to the heavens. When, when, when you, it's, it's not strut around or strut your stuff. No, but pick your head up. because Why? Because God sees you as he designed you. Some of you are asking, well, how has God designed me? Oh, everybody's designed a little bit different. You have to ask that question. What is God's design for me? What has God designed me to do? What is it that when God looks at me as his child, he sees me doing? Because you've heard me say this many, many, many times. God made you, you for a reason, right? Not everybody can be ogre, right? Amen, Amen right? <laughs> I'm going to stop with that. I was going to pick on some other people, but hey. Not, but God made you, God made you, you for a reason. And, and what is that reason? I, I don't know. I don't know like the, the, the specifics of, of every little intricacy, but I know one main part of this reason 
The reason is to make him look great, not you. God is already great, so don't let me, don't, don't let me, like, don't let me try to communicate this, or don't let me communicate like you're making God look great, like he needs to look great. No, he's already great. You, by being you and doing what he designed you to do, is affirming that, yeah, he's great. Look how jacked up I am, but look how great he is because he's using a jacked up individual like me to do something great. God made you you for a reason, and that reason is to make him look great. As a byproduct, are we going to get blessings and such? Yeah, absolutely. God wants to. He's a, he's a loving father. He wants to bless his children. But the, the reason that God made you you is because so his name can be great. We should never take a, a, away from God his glory. We should always be focusing on, okay, me being holy and me being righteous and me living the life that, that, that I'm supposed to as his child is because he is who he is. It brings glory and righteousness and honor to him because he's worthy of that. So if God sees you as you're designed, I think that it's also appropriate to say that he's designed you for his glory. I know that that's not on your, your uh, notes there, but you can, you can pencil that in. He's designed you for his glory. When somebody says, man, you're just worthless, God doesn't think so. Matter of fact, he's designed me for his glory. I'm, I'm, I'm broken sometimes. Sometimes the pieces need picked up, yeah, but I'm used for his glory. I don't always make the right decisions. I don't always say the right things, but you know what? God can use me for his glory. Even when, I, when, when, I, when I'm, I'm, I'm acting in fear, God somehow can come and smack me upside the head and use me for his glory. When we started, we said that God's potential, or God has a potential for you. And the theological foundation that we just we lay here is that your design is, is to, uh, to be glorifying to him. And God sees you in your design. I think it's, it's one, one of my favorite, if, you know, one of my favorite stories of the Old Testament is, a, is about a man named Gideon. Turn to uh, Judges chapter 6. Because I think that what we can see here, knowing this, this um, theological foundation that, that, that uh, God did not give his, his children the spirit of fear, but of, uh, of, of power and of love and self-control, we can see that sometimes his children can operate in fear, and God's got to come down and say, hey, yo, stop it, stupid, right? He can come down, and he's got he's to shake this up and say, okay, wait a second, this is not how I see you. In, in uh, Judges chapter 6, um, let's do this to give us a little bit of background I'm going to just read through 1 through 10 to kind of, because some of you have never heard the story of Gideon so we need to kind of um, uh, to, to get this background um, but no let's do this first Start, throw up there a verse, uh, verse 11 real quick because then we'll go back um, verse 11 says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth of Ophrah, not Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide from the Midianites. Okay, so quick, quick context. We're going to read 1 through 10 real quick. But um, what we need to understand is that, that um, uh, Gideon 
And it's down inside of a wine press. If you don't know what a wine press, real quick, um, a picture of a, a wine press. A wine press was like a depression down in that was cut out in rock. Uh, most of the time it was cut out of rock or sometimes they would dig it in the, the ground and, and lay rock um, stone in there. So what they would do is they would throw their, uh, the, the grapes in there and they would tread the, the, the grapes. And then there was this little trough that would come out to a different holding area where all the juice and everything would come out. So it was a depression in, in, in the ground. So what we, we see here is Gideon was down inside the, 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 the wine press and it says he was beating out the wheat. Well, what we have to understand is how, uh, some of you farmers know how this works, but how wheat um, is, is separated. You got the head that's heavy and the, the chaff that, that, that is very light. So what they would do is they would beat it with rods and they would toss it up in the air and the wind would blow the, the, the chaff away and the, the heads of the kernels or the grain or whatever would fall back down. Normally when this was done, they would do it like on top of a hill. Or they would do it when wide open so they had plenty of, of, of breeze and wind to blow the chaff away. So what we can see right now is that, that obviously um, Gideon here is, is operating in fear because he's not doing it where he should do it, up on top of the, of the high place. He's doing this down um, in, in this wine press. And, and Gabe and I were talking about this this week and I, I told him, like, I, I imagine kind of looking out over the horizon and all of a sudden you see this just clump of wheat go up out of the ground, and go up out of the ground. And then as you get closer, you see Gideon down in there. He's throwing it up, and, and that's what, what, what is taking place. Well, this is where Gideon is at. Why is he there? I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 1. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And then, and the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves dens that are in the mountains, in the caves, and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come and up against them. And they would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock in their tents and they would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be numbered or counted. So that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel brought very, was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for the Lord uh, for help to the Lord. And when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel and said to them, thus says the Lord. That's always an indicator. If you ever see that, listen. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. Why is Gideon down inside of the wine press? Because the... It, because of fear, because the, 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 the Midianites and the Amalekites, every time the, 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 the crops come in, they come over and they steal them. They steal everything. So he's trying to do, man, I'm just trying to take care of my family here. I'm going to go, I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get down here. I'm going to be real secretive and I'm going to do this. He's operating out of fear. Now, can we, can we fault him because he wants to eat? No. 
What we have to look at is how he's operating. He's operating not in in the spirit in which God has given him. Because remember, God did not give us a spirit of what? Fear. Fear. But of power and of love and self-control. So, I love. (laughs) This is one of those moments you read in the Bible and you just chuckle. Or maybe you laugh out loud. Because when when the angel comes to him, because he is down there, (laughs) throwing the weed up and everything. It says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, um, really, 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 really quick, uh, know this, uh, when the Bible is talking in the Old Testament about the angel of the Lord, these are things called theophanies or Christophanies. I I know this is a lot, but just, just, this is an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ. So this is Jesus appearing before he came as a baby, all right? So he, if somebody says, well, you know, the Old Testament, there's no Jesus in the Old Testament, Baloney, the angel of the Lord. Okay, this is a, the, uh, uh, the representation, the, 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 the pre-incarnate Christ has come and is talking to Gideon right now. And he says, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. <laughs> come on now, let me, do, do I got to read that one more time? The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. What's Gideon doing? He's hiding. He's down in the, in the pit. He, he's fearful. I hope the Midianites don't come and take my weed away. And the Lord comes to him. I, I picture him like this. Arms crossed. <laughs> hey, the Lord's with you. Oh, mighty man of valor. I don't think it was done in a derogatory way. I think it was, was the Lord identifying uh, Gideon in his potential. The Lord says there very clearly that the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, his response, <laughs> Please, sir. Some of you might say, Please, Lord. But it's this indication of that he's just like, Really? He caught it. <laughs> oh, I'm a mighty man of valor. I'm hiding in a hole. Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, hold on a second. Mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. Really? God's really with me? Have you looked around at this mess that I'm in? No, no one else would in here would say that, right? Have you looked? Like last time I was, I, I can't, I'm, I'm here in this hole because those people are going to kill us and take, us all, take all our food from us. So I got to hide. And you're calling me a mighty man of honor. And you're saying the Lord's with me. If God's really with me, why is he letting all this bad stuff happen? That's just Gideon, right? That's just, I mean, that's not, that doesn't apply to us today, right? No one in here would ever say that. If God really loved me, why is he letting this bad stuff happen to me? No, this is, this is our response. This is what we respond to sometimes because we believe the lie. I'm not saying that situations aren't real. 
Because there are some real things that we go through. But what we don't need to, to, to believe is when we're going through some bad situations and circumstances in our life that God's not there. God's always there. And he's reminding Gideon of this here. And I, I love how he continues on. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the Midianites. Do, not, do I not send you? So I, I, I know that just from the, the, the context here that when Gideon lashes out at the Lord and says, look around you, the Lord says, okay, take that, take that energy, that might, and go and save Israel. What, what, what does that look like? Quit complaining about where you're at. I've got greater things for you to do. How many times do you get caught into these lies and you complain, 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 complain? I'm this and I'm that and I can't do this. Quit complaining about where you're at and do what God wants you to do. God wants to do great things through you. He sees great potential in you and in me. And we have to understand that I, he's given me power and he's given me love and he's given me this self-control so I can do this. But I'm believing the lies of the devil and I'm just hiding down here. I'm just trying to sustain my life in the wine press. God doesn't want you in the wine press. He wants you up on a hill. He wants you to proclaim his good works. Uh, it, it goes on here to say, and here, let's do this. Let's fill in the first, that first blank there, that second part. God sees his children in their potential. God sees his children in their potential. Remember, we just said God sees uh, his children in the way in which he designed you. He's designed you for a reason. There is a potential in which you have. That through the power of the Holy Spirit that you can be that person. And that person is not for you. That person is not for me. That person is for God. Here, God is telling Gideon that, hey, I'm going to use you, mighty man of valor. I'm going to use you to save all of Israel. Dude was having a hard time saving his own family. And he's like, and God's saying, I'm going I'm, I'm to use you. He goes on to say, and he said to him, so Gideon saying to the Lord again, now, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So what's his response? You want me? You want me? Remember, I'm in the wine for you. I can't do this. We're the weakest clan, you know. We, I'm the weakling in my house. I just can't do this. You want me to save Israel? Man, I can't do it. Can't do it. God doesn't listen to can'ts. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Pause. Pause. I will be with you. The, 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 those simple words, it makes all the difference in the world. Because whatever it is that we're facing, 
We don't have to face it alone. And this is not some pie-in-the-sky dream or some thought. Gideon here, he's a real historical figure. This really happened. God appeared to him and said, you are going to save Israel. And he said, I can't do it. And a little bit of, 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 of loose interpretation here. So let me go out here on a limb to say this. I can see God saying that, well, yeah, duh, you can't do it by yourself. You're not expected to do it by yourself. I will be with you. When we live in our potential, we can't do that by ourselves. We do that by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit that lives inside of us. And if we, if we get, grab that, and we hold on to that, and we understand that it's the power of the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the eternal God inside of us, He's with us. You can't take your insides out and, and leave them you know, somewhere and go on your day. Just the same sense of you're a child of God. You can't take the spirit out of your life and go on. He's with you. And if God is telling you to do something, he's giving you the power, the strength, the ability, the opportunity, all of that to do that. Why does he want to do that? Why does he want you to do that? Well, I believe this. God's children, living in their potential, living in their potential, brings glory to God. When you live inside the potential in which God has designed you for, you bring glory to God. If you do things on your own and try to say, hey, look what I've done, that doesn't bring glory to God, that brings glory to you. God does great things through you to bring glory to him. That's why he's designed you special. Some of you are special, right? A little more special than others. I like to use the word, we're unique, right? God designed you that way to bring glory to him. Question is, are you bringing glory to God? God designed you a way to live. He's given you the, the strength, the ability, the power. He's given you everything to do that. You still have to do it, though. Are you bringing glory to God? That's a question that's between you and God. He's given you everything you need. He's given me everything I need. Am I doing it? This is what Gideon, I mean, this mighty man of valor, when, when, when God shows up and identifies him, he sees him in the potential in which he, he can be. We'll see over the next couple weeks. We'll continue on with, with Gideon. We'll see what happens and how God uses him in everything. But what we need to understand is, how does that relate to me? First is you, gotta, you have to accept the fact that God has something greater for you. And he wants to use you for something greater than you. When we look at this and we, we see that when we live in, in potential, it brings glory to God. I think it's also important to, to understand that um, potential is not reached because of something. And that something is fear. Potential is not reached because of fear. Gideon did not reach his potential where God seen him while he was in fear. 
It wasn't until after he came out of the wine press, and we're going to see what, what takes place and everything, but it wasn't until afterwards that he operated in power and in love and in self-control. How chapter 6 of Judges starts there kind of gives us the root of where fear comes from. Fear comes from doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Fear comes from doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Man, I don't want to go through everything. But if you're, if you're operating in fear, self-assessment, okay, what am I doing that's evil in the sight of the Lord? Some of you would say, well, I'm not really doing anything evil. Okay, what are you doing that does not line up with God's will? Or what does not line up with God's standard? That's evil. Fear comes from that. If we're operating in fear, it's because there's something in our life that has to change. It's not God. It's us. What is that? And everybody's, it's just a little bit different. But it's only you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that can do something about it. Some of you, if, you're, if you're, you're sitting here and you're starting to get uneasy right now, you're like, wait a second, I don't like how you're talking now. Fine, that's because you know it's you that you're living in fear. You don't know how to deal with it. If you don't know how to deal with it, get help. There are plenty of men and women inside this church. They're jacked up just like all of us, yeah, but we can help. But it takes that, I got to put my guard down a little bit to step out. I, I need some help. And don't go to someone else who's hurting to get help because hurting people hurt people. And I'm not saying that we should, and please hear my heart in this. We don't go to the toilet to get a cool drink of water. If you're hurting, go to someone who can help you. Let's do this. Because it's only until you face that fear and you get rid of that sin that you can operate in the design in which God has made you and created you for. And end with this. Last one. The father sees his son when he is looking at his children. This is why God can see you and me and our potential because when he looks at you as a child of God, he sees his son. He sees the one who is all powerful, who has all authority. So nothing's going to stand in the way of the Son. We are covered by the blood of the Son when we put our faith and our trust in Him. So when God the Father looks at, at, at us as his, as his children, He sees the Son. So when He says, O mighty man of valor, or O mighty woman of valor, He can mean that and He can say that. That's not something that we should take nonchalantly. He's seeing the power of His Son in your life. What are you going to do about it? That's a question. What are you going to do about it? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, um, Lord, we, we thank you for this time. Um, God, where we can take and, and we can see um, your, your truths that you've given us, where we're, to, where we're supposed to live and how you see us, and that you've given us the power and the strength and the ability, everything to, to be there, to live there. But God, we get in the way too many times. So God, it's my prayer that, that, that we can um, uh, just focus on you, 
that we can believe the truth and not the lie, that we can surrender our life to you and know that you you are all-powerful. And it's through the the, the blood of Jesus that, 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 that was shed for me on the cross to forgive me of my sins that I can stand victorious in front of no matter what it is I face. God, if there's someone here that does not grasp that, my prayer is that that you stir up inside of them a desire to to reach out and say, man, I want to know more about who this Jesus is and these truths. And God, my my prayer also is that, 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 that your children that are sitting here that are operating in fear, that they're still down in the wine press when you're standing saying, oh, mighty man, mighty woman, what you doing? My, my, my prayer is that, that they, they grab a hold of your truth and they, 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 they come up out of the wine press and they stand in your power and in your strength and your might so they can face whatever it is that, you, that, that it comes in their way. So God, as we uh, close today, we ask that, that, that our voices can be lifted high that we can make a joyful noise to you because you, is, you are worthy of all praise. We pray this in Jesus' name.